as opposed to being interviewed. But I'm, up, I'm up, you know, I'm delighted for you to ask me on. That's great. Well, and it's great to have you here, Les Jackson, uh, because uh, this football library takes in magazines and fanzines and programmes and VHS cassettes and various photo books, but also something that is a burgeoning genre, the fan memoir. Um, where Because yeah. every, there are lots of football fans, some of them write. Uh, we've got luminaries like Adrian Childs, who wrote effectively a fan memoir about his time supporting West Brom, yeah. which seemed to just be a lot of moaning. I didn't really enjoy it. <laughs> Uh, whereas there's not much moaning in your book, A Life Well Read, a memoir edged in black. How long have you been retired? Oh, uh, just over 12 months now. I retired last August. And you went straight into writing this, or was this a lockdown? Mo- was this something you'd always wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, to be honest, I'd started it before then, um, but just on bits of it. I only started it when um, we lost Tom for cathartic reasons. Yeah. I just wanted to, to get get things off my chest, I suppose. But once I'd done that, I let a few friends have a read of it and they were quite complimented about it. I thought, well, I'll, I'll write about my life. I'm, I'm mainly for, I'm for the family because we've got a couple of granddaughters now, only two and, and a few months old. But I thought, well, as they get older, that will be there for them after I've gone. So, And that's, that's how it came about. And I thought, well, if other people want to read it, that's great, but really, I wrote it for the family. And it's a very comprehensive guide to the life of... Les Jackson, which came out in March, and it is available as a paperback. Although, if you have a machine, it's £2.95 on Kindle, but I'm a Kindle Unlimited subscriber, so it was one of my ten. Instantly, you can tell that there's some aspect of sadness in it. I I suppose I should start with the bit I've just read, which is effectively a, a good Samaritan or a... I don't know, what would you call the thing that Tom did? A peacemaker? I wouldn't call it anything. I think Tom just reacted to his natural instincts, which was to go and help someone in, in trouble, to be honest. Which Not was a, a young girl in a, a backpacker hostel in Queensland. Yeah. Who had picked up a knife um, and, and did murder someone. Tom interceded, was stabbed in the eye. Eventually he was on life support. And of course, no one should be asked the question, should we turn the life support off? And it is hugely cathartic and hugely moving, this chapter, because you fly out to Australia uh, yeah. to see Tom, who'd been there for, what, a year already? No, he did, uh, well, he'd, he'd gone in in January, and this was in the August, oh, so... Six months Nine months, yeah. It's um, towards the end of August, was the title of the chapter. And I suppose you have um, the medals that he won posthumously, and it was a, it was a, a story here and there, and unfortunately the... Uh, perpetrator of his death um, was mentally unsound. So, yes. so justice is not done. Well, you know that's that's an interesting an interesting point, Johnny. Because, I mean, I, I went out for the um, the tribunal hearing where he it was a mental tribunal, mental health tribunal where he was declared to be unsound of mind. And at the end of the day, you either accept that due process has been followed, or you go mad. And I sat there, and there was there was four independent psychiatrists who assessed him for I don't know, eighteen months, maybe. You know, I accepted that. What I mean, what 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 you do? I I accepted that the professional said he was unsound of mind when he committed the crime, and 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 he, and he was still he was still under um, lock and key, if you like, in a mental institution. 
So yeah, I I, I accepted it. I'm not going to say it was right. It was to say if it was right or not. But I accepted that due process had been followed, and that was the decision we'd come to. As I say, I've, I've never, I've never even thought about this fella. To be honest, he's never been uppermost in my thoughts at all. Of course, as nor nor should he be. And um, when I studied law, I learned that the rule of law is the principle that should be enshrined in case law and natural justice. And without the rule of law, we have anarchy. And so every every aspect of the law tries to uphold equity and fairness. And even if things seem unfair, you have to meet in the middle and, and try and get some form of justice. Otherwise, it would open the floodgates. But no, I would not wish anything else uh, on it. And it was... Um, thank you for writing uh, this book, A Life Well Read, a memoir edged in black. 295 as a, an e-book, but is available physically came out in March, so people have had the story for the last six weeks. I imagine that the Congleton clan have been very supportive of this book. Uh, it's dedicated to them. And um, the thing that came out from the book is you're surrounded by wonderful people, literally, because they're your neighbours. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know most of them, actually, because because of the kids. Our kids and their kids went to school together. So there's, I mean, obviously it's grown over the years, but there's probably three or four families to start with where our boys, our eldest boys were all the same age and started school together. And we got to know each other that way. Yeah, they've been amazing to be honest. They've always been amazing, but, you know, when this happened, and they really um, saw us through, to be honest. Yeah, because it's the kind of thing that could happen to anyone, much like going to a football match and not coming back. And Hillsborough does loom in this story. Yeah. Something that also looms is uh, San, our San, Sandra. Um, how is she yeah. doing? So, uh, yeah, she's well. She's, uh, she's just talking to me daughter. They're organising the wedding for next year, so mm. that's keeping me occupied at the moment. Good. Yeah, great. And will you be giving a speech at her wedding as the father of the bride? I'm afraid I will, yeah. Oh, dear. Although, I think what you should do is do what... Was it your dad did? There'll be no speech from me to the bride and groom. I like that bit. That's a proper speech. father yeah. Yeah. There'll be no speech from me to the bride and groom. And we really... We get inside your life, your upbringing, your various um, postings that you had. Um, I think I spoke to someone from Lytham St Anne's. You were based there for a long time, or at least you had an assignment there. On the coast, I went up to Blackpool very recently. It is a... I tried to imagine myself 100 years ago in Blackpool because nowadays it's it's hanging on. But Lytham, it's got the golf club, it's got uh, the poshos. Um, Did did you fancy moving there or were you always tied to Merseyside? Well, we don't live in Merseyside. We we actually live in South Cheshire. Uh, We live about 40 miles from Liverpool, maybe. Mm. We moved here in 87, I think, and Tom was 18 months going on to um, and to be honest the first three years we would we probably would have moved back to Merseyside if we could have um, found the right place and uh, and found the buyer for hours but one, once Tom had started school that was it then we decided well we're here you now and we, were, and we always had lovely neighbours either side of us but but our real close friends as we said before came from um, came from from the parents of of our our children's friends. Yeah, so once that had happened, we, we settled in a lot more easily in there. So, yeah, we, we were never good. I mean, Lytham was, Lytham was drivable. It used to take probably an hour and a half each way. So, um, yeah, no, never thought of it. Because, because 
although I ended up there for what best part of seven years, there was always you could always be reassigned somewhere else. So it would have been pointless anyway. Of course. Well, I'm much like a footballer who are, after all, self-employed mercenaries paid a lot of money for whoever is paying them at any time. And don't worry, listener, we will get to football. But this book, A Life Well Read, the life is as pertinent as the red. So it's a great title for a start. Um, what was it like being a southern scouser, a scouser in the south? Because you were based near Chelmsford for a couple of years. Yeah, we were there. we were in Malden for um, about getting on for four years. What was it like? It was fine, to be honest. I used to play Sunday league football in the um, Malden, wow. Malden and district, Malden and district Sunday league. Hard knocks. Um, <laughs> um, and it was great. I and mean, obviously, there was lots of there was a bit, fair bit of banter. Me being a Liverpool fan and and everybody else not being a Liverpool fan. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was fine. Because uh, I was working in London during the day, so that took up much of time, commuting and working. In- I'm interested, because my dad lives in Manhattan now, and New York right. is a much cleaner place than it was in 1982. I've heard stories yeah. about New York in the early 80s. I mean, you have you had problems with the lack of air con. You said you went out shopping because that was where the air condition was. Um, yeah, and you were twiddling your thumbs at work, and you only lasted six months there. But was it as a place to live? No, it wasn't awful. I mean, we were warned when we got there to um, don't go anywhere after dark unless you're going in a cab. Always have thirty dollars in your pocket in case you got one, because that was the go- that was the sort of minimum going rate. But during the day, I mean, my, my wife couldn't work because she didn't have a visa, so she'd walk around. Manhattan, no problem at all during the day. It was just after dark when it was, a, I know when it was a bit dodgy. And I, I remember I worked with um, quite a few Brits, a couple of Irish guys, one big Irish fella who got someone tried to mug him in the dark, and <laughs> he just battered the living daylight out of them. To be honest, so mm. that was one. He wasn't giving any anybody thirty dollars. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, someone pulled a knife on him, and he just. You know, he, he didn't know back, he just bombed them. So, yeah, but you know, I guess you always had that in the back of your mind, that, you know, you, you were a bit wary of going out later on. I couldn't. I mean, it's it's lovely now. We, we, I took my daughter for her 18th uh, a few years ago, and, I, and it was great. Um, and then we went back 2018, actually, when we were 60. Um, yeah, and it was fine. You could walk around at night. Lots of Liverpool fans. didn't need the police. Good. Yes, the NY. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's a good show. Yeah. Um, yeah, lots of Liverpool fans uh, who watch the football uh, con- uh, well every week, twice a week. Um, but I like what you'd had to do to keep in touch with what was going on in the first division. Uh, do you still have these football echoes, these football pinks that your dad sent through? No, 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 I'm afraid I don't. I mean, I mean, we really did. I mean, to be honest, once I'd finished with them, I'd, I'd hand them round the office because yeah. there was plenty of Brit. So even though... Um, I don't think there was any, anybody else. Oh, there was an Evertonian there, actually. Um, but, you know, other people were interested in them, so it, it wasn't a problem. It was, it was something the, I looked forward to every week, getting the pink echo. Yeah, and as as you would, my Uncle Ivor worked in LA. He did some football commentary, and this was a time when football, soccer, wasn't really a product over there, and now it is. And it was such a... So scant was the coverage that at one time you actually phoned up the New York Times to ask for the Liverpool result. Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. It was because we were, we played Spurs 
It was the, it was the game when Grant Hoddle scored that absolute belter from. Oh God, he must have been thirty yards out. And I think it was Clemens' first game back as well as, mm. as, as Spurs goalie. Um, so we played Spurs, and if and if we won, we won the league. Um, of course, we had no there was no mobile phones or internet then or anything. So I phoned them up on the Saturday night from New York from a payphone. It has to be put through to the sports desk. And um, just, I said, could you tell me the result? They said, buy the paper in the morning and <laughs> put the phone down on me. So, That's good. <laughs> to get up and get the New York Times the next day to find out we've won the league. Mention of Glenn Hoddle. Um, yeah. By the time this show goes out, Glenn Hoddle will have done the media rounds because he's got a memoir out next month. Interesting. Yeah, I hope so. So Liverpool big, will feature big, heavily, big but you will, yeah, you will have seen him play quite a bit. Of all the opponents who came to Liverpool, could, well, a could Hoddle have got in that Liverpool team, uh, and b who else would you have loved to have seen in the red shirt? Oh, there's a question, isn't it? <laughs> Please use um, both sides um, of the paper. I mean, Hoddle was obviously a great player. Whether he would have fitted in a Liverpool, I suppose he could have made him fit in a Liverpool. There were, there were always questions about his work, right? Weren't there? But he was certainly a great player. When he, I mean, when he was a, when was he at his peak? Late seventies? Was it early eighties? Obviously, Liverpool had a great team then. So, and he didn't make many wrong decisions in the transfer market. So. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not going to say he wouldn't get in, but I'm, I'm not going. I, I don't know who he'd replace. It'd certainly, it'd certainly be great to have in the squad and available. Um, now, when you say who else would you have? I always liked Matt Latissier, you know, but he was a he was a he won club man, really, wasn't he? No, and, yes, and similar to I guess so. You know, I say I, I guess the same reservations would be would be aimed at him. Um, I always go back a bit further, and you probably remember I called Frank Worthington. Uh, yes, uh, he just passed yeah. away. Yeah, indeed. Well, Liverpool nearly signed him once. It, uh, it was, um, I mean, it was strongly rumoured. In fact, it was in the, 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 the Liverpool Echo, uh, and he, fa- he failed the um, failed the fitness test. But yes, at uh, the time, was it Toshak and Keegan that he would have played with them? Yeah. And you, yeah, early seventies. Yeah, early seventies. You have had a season ticket since '87. You first went to Anfield in 1968 uh, in yeah. the boys' pen. In the boys' pen, yeah. Which I've heard oh. things from uh, Paul McParlane, uh who went into the boys' pen at Everton. Not a fan. Uh, did you have to just have your wits about you in the pen? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Fair, fair amount of intimidation used to go on in there, shall we say. It was a great, it was a great spec to watch the match one, though. It was right at the back of the cop. So if you're... Obviously, the cop has changed now because it's... it's You know, it was demolished and rebuilt uh, following the Hillsborough disaster. But when it was just this massive terrace, if you look at the cop from the pitch, it was in the top right-hand corner. So you could, you could see everything. It was, it was fantastic. And, of course, you could watch all the... Um, Daredevils climbing over into the cop itself, mm. and that was that was quite a quite a death defying escapade, really, because you'd climb up onto the railings and then you'd have to climb along some girders, and if you fell off them, you'd get more of a headache if you landed badly. But that's how badly people wanted to see this Liverpool team, which was under the guardianship in the late sixties of your hero, and a guy yeah. who would always be your hero. Did yeah, you ever Shanks. bump into Shanks? No, sadly not. No, I didn't. I would have loved to. I think he uh, 
He seems to have the same kind of respect that Leeds fans give Marcello Bielsa now. He has transformed the club, and without him, the club would not be anywhere near as much as it would. But because you knew about what happened to Liverpool in the 50s, which was, as you say, what was it, third, 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 fourth, second, first, eventually going back up, uh, and then yeah. the early 60s, you did very well. So you would have seen the late Roger Hunt play. Oh, yeah. I mean, Shanks was my hero from a football player point of view. Roger Hunt was my first hero. What was so good yeah. about him? I know he scored lots of goals and got in the position. You've got to remember that. So when I started, in 68, when I started going up, I would have been nine, going on 10. Um, so he was, the, he was the goal scorer, wasn't he, Roger? But also, he had this reputation for being very fair-minded. People, of course, talk about the um, Jeff Hurst's goal in the... Was his second goal yeah. in the um, the World Cup final? There's some disputes as to whether it went over the line. And I, I always remember people saying it must have gone over the line because Roger Hunt didn't try to put in the rebound. So if Roger said it went over the line, it went over the line. I've got to be honest. I've since seen it back, and I'm not convinced it went over the line. But that's that's by the by. That that was his reputation for being um, fair-minded, and he, and he was a clinical goal scorer. His partnership with Saint John was something else. Oh gosh! And yes. Saint, Saint John was completely the opposite. He was um, I don't know how many times he got sent off in his career, and that was in the days. And of course, the Saints sadly departed recently. But that was in the days where. You know, people never got sent off. Hardly. It was it was a national news event. It was a sending off, and the Saint got sent off a few times. Whereas now you get sent off for like, it's like assault. The fear of assault is assault. The fear of injury is is what um, is what you get sent off for. But one of the things that Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool are so good at is that I think they're clean. They're a really nice team to watch. Obviously, not when they're pummeling Watford five nil. <laughs> As they did last week, but then all you no, have to do is say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one or two fans probably think they're a bit too clean sometimes. Um, not not quite cynical enough, but, you know, that, that, I mean, I certainly don't subscribe to that theory. I mean, they're, they're, don't get me wrong, they're aggressive. They're aggressive when they need to be. Uh, obviously, the, the way they play, the, 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 the pressing eye up the pitch, the front foot defending. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think they're cynical at all. Which yeah. makes them a great club for the neutral to watch, and which is why I was so delighted when Liverpool did win the league under lockdown. Obviously, it's tinged with sadness because I'm sure Tom would have loved to have seen your late son. Tom would have loved to have seen Liverpool win the Premier League trophy. Does he remember the 1990 champions? No, I don't. No, he didn't. No, um, so he would have been four when we won that, and I, I took him to his first game a couple of years later. And he still he still didn't fully understand the rules then. I remember it was a cut tie against Ipswich, which we won three two. Um, it was a replay at Anfield, and I remember when um, we scored the third, our third goal. I think Jan Bowley scored it, and he said, and he was like, "What's the score now?" And I said, "Oh, it's three two, son." And he said, "Do four. And I mm. said, "For Liverpool." And I went, "Yeah." He said, "What's Ipswich score, Dad?" <laughs> So he never quite got it then, but it wasn't long before he did get it. Not only did he get football, he got loads of tattoos that you um, you mentioned. Yeah, well, he got the, well, yeah, he got, he got the um, JFT '96, and also the uh, he got he got a tattoo which referenced the first five European Cup wins because obviously sadly he wasn't here. Um, six. So it's his leg on. 
the frontispiece of the book. Before the book starts, there is a tattooed leg. Is that your leg or his leg? And that's my tattoo, to be honest. (laughs) It's got the lyric from John Lennon's In My Life. It's got the live a bird. And it's a a big lot of ink. Uh, Did you get any ink added for the 2020 champions? No. I got got this after the um, 2006... Not 2006, the sixth European Cup. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to, to, to show the two, the two big loves, my football club and my family. Should have said that the other way around, my family and my football club. Right. Which is why it says at the, the top, it's the live bird surrounded by the, the places we won the European Cup. Um, and then underneath it, we've got the family with, with my two granddaughters on it. And it says that the places I'll remember, which is obviously refers to the, um, the venues of where we won the European Cup. Oh, and then in my sweet. life, I will be more, which is which is the family. But it, amazingly, it's not the cover of the book. Uh, the cover is I've got it here. You're wearing number eight. Dan's three. Liv is twelve. San is nine. Tom is obviously seven. After Dal yeah. Gleish. Um who was the greatest Liverpool number eight? Again, please use both sides of the. Stephen Gerrard. You'd have to say, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, but I've got to go past him. Roger, I think Roger was number eight. Yeah, I think he was as well. Yeah, different players, different players. Obviously, Roger was an out-and-out forward. If you got a number for Stephen Gerrard, he's going to be the greatest, whatever it was. The Gerrard final, as it is still known, it, it bamboozled me. I was preparing for A levels in two thousand and six. You were probably at Wembley that year. Two thousand, yeah, yeah, West Ham, yeah. Yeah, West Ham, uh, who are now owned by Sullivan and Gold, and Lady Brady is yeah. involved. Um, but at the time, 2006, the current Everton manager was doing wonderful things with Liverpool. And you do talk about the miracle at Istanbul. You do say there have been millions and millions of words, uh, but none of them, Les Jackson, are yours. And so I love the description of your time in Istanbul. And I remember because my mum and dad had just separated and we'd gone out to dinner at Prezzo or wherever. And coming back in the car, it was half time. AC Milan 3, Liverpool 0. I thought, OK, well, there's no point in listening. There's no way Liverpool are going to get back against this Milan side. But they yeah. did uh, because of Jersey Dudek. And it, in the same way that most of the 1977 team, I think all of the 11 have written memoirs, most of that team from 2006 have also written books. And you, you reference um, a lot of Liverpool tomes in the book, but have you read their accounts the players' accounts of that European Cup final, Dudek and uh, Gerard. I don't, I don't think I have, you know. I've read a lot of Liverpool books, I'm not even sure I was aware of them, to be honest. Um, no, I must look them up. Yeah, well, they're all in the football library, because as you know, from Scouse Fortnight, we have a host of books written by yeah. Liverpool and Everton fans and players. Uh, you reference uh, Phil Scraton's book, the truth. Yeah. Uh, and I'd also yeah. like to add Adrian Tempany's book, And the Sun Shines yeah. Now. David Conn has written a long read in The Guardian because he was covering, as a law yes. graduate, he was able to cover uh, the court uh, proceedings. And you would have an interest as an internet keyboard warrior and interested party, emotional stakeholder in Liverpool. But there's this big long read and it is just despairing. And my line on this is that, well, they couldn't get Hillsborough right. How on earth are they going to get Grenfell and the COVID victims right? I have no hope in the British justice system. Do you? Uh, it's a good question. I, 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 don't, I don't think there's a will to get it right. It's all about 
Arse covering, if I can say that. No, yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly what it is. You might as well call it arse covering, Grenfell Tower, and why we're not guilty, which they are. We had 32 years to get to the point after Hillsborough. I mean, to be honest, the first 20 years of that, they tried to say there's, there's nothing to be done because nothing happened, more or less. You know, nothing happened that we, we should concern ourselves with. And then after Andy Burnham had um, mm-hmm. stood up at Anfield um, and said, I'm going, to, I'm going to try and get something done about this. And thankfully, Gordon Brown said, yeah, go ahead and do it. And we had the Hillsborough Indi- Independent Panel who came up with what they came up with and basically said, this has been a whitewash from start to finish. And had some fair play, at least Cameron stood up in Parliament and said, yeah, we're sorry, we got it wrong. We're going to have in question that I'm going to have a full inquiry. It could have been not, anyone. Still, nothing happened. Yes, that's right. But it could have been Arsenal fans. If um, who, who played the other semi-final? Everton and... Norwich. Norwich, yeah, could have been them. And in 88, there was a Hillsborough disaster. And at Kenilworth Road, there was a disaster. And at the Den, there was a disaster. And it was... Unfortunately, the time was right for all seater stadiums and the elevation of the middle class into football to make it a product of the kind that Abu Dhabi and Saudi Arabia would buy, and indeed Fenway, who are villains in a different respect. But you, you were there. You were at Hillsborough. You went with uh, your mum. Yeah. And the thing that is um, that comes across that I didn't know is that there was horrific traffic going down the motorway towards Sheffield. So that yeah, seemed to set the scene for the day. There was an accident on the... Um, well, I mean, it did. There was an accident, I think it was on the, the, the Ring Road around Manchester. So as you, as you leave the 60... Well, it's the M62 now anyway, but it used to be the M60. So as you, as you leave the M62 to go up, to go um, onto the M60 as it was, up towards the M1, There'd been an accident which was delay, you know, obviously delaying a lot of um, traffic from Liverpool. But, but having said that, that did delay a lot of fans, but delayed fans was not, did not contribute to what happened on the day. It, it might have it contributed to some people getting to Sheffield late, but it didn't contribute to what happened. No, it didn't. No, nor would I suggest. It was, it was police no, failure no, that I didn't have a safety that. certificate. Clear for your listeners, really. Yeah, because the, the initial narrative, as we know, and I, I hope that, not to wish ill on anyone, but Mr. McKenzie, history will know him as the monster that he was. And it's oh, horrific. Yeah. And, uh, but there's a whole protection racket around him. And there's no trust in the police. And I wish that, well, fortunately, the football library, by the way, is guarded by Roy Keane, the best member of security. Because <laughs> you're not sure, if he's joking, you're not sure if it's a joke or not. But you do get your football library membership card uh, with your son Tom on it. Um, big Liverpool fan. Unless you want a player on it as well. No, no, Tom would be great. Yeah, because I like to personalise these membership cards. I've given out about 190 of them so far. A lot of them to Liverpool and Everton fans. Uh, but none with a tattoo as brilliant as yours. And you can view the tattoo in A Life Well Read, a memoir edged in black. Two ninety five on Kindle. Uh, where are the paperbacks? Do do you send them out yourself? No, Amazon basically. Great. Yeah, there's, a, there's a hardback version on Amazon as well. And you will um, be able to read all about the life of Les Jackson. I almost spat out my tea when I learned how much your house cost. Your first house. Um, 
Did I put that on the book? Fourteen hundred pound. That was, that was mum and dad's. Oh, well, good. just as bad. But yeah, fourteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was about nineteen eighty when they bought it. So. And at that time, no indoor loo and no bathroom. No. That's that. So they, they, they tried for years because they used to rent. They tried for years to get it to get the landlord to upgrade it, but he wasn't interested. So they, they managed to buy him buy him out. 1400 quid um, and then got oh, obviously all the renovations and all that they needed I see wasn't a Liverpool season ticket this season £1,400 no we're still pretty good value I, I, I suppose you are Watford it's about seven hun. but I remember at Spurs because we went to Spurs when we were younger and it was over £1,000 for that working out yeah. at £50 a game I'm sure Alan Sugar used his money wisely Sugar said, 41 million quid. That was the best thing I got out of Spurs. Because it was his brother who was the fan. Not, not Lord Sugar himself. Um, yeah. You um, moved back to Liverpool in 87, got your season ticket for the cop, which was how much money for, what is it, 21 games a season? It was about 75 quid, I think. 72 to 75 quid. I've got it in my head. That is astonishing. Astonishingly yeah. great. To see the best football in the country. And we've all seen the Southampton... Game at the were you at that game the seven nil or were you away? The, the, when Liverpool beat Southampton and ended up being applauded by the crowd for just passing it around. Um, I remember us beating them seven nil at, at Liverpool. You mean? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, uh, basically, I think all the scores had come through the youth team as well. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I was I was at that game, and I am. Mark, what, sorry. I remember Mark Hughes playing for Southampton and got a bit upset over it. Oh yeah, I can tell he would because he would have come through at Man U, <laughs> but I am. Um, Mark Hughes, he would never have got in that Liverpool team. Well, he probably would have got in the Liverpool team at the time. At the time he was around, because we weren't particularly good. But probably not when we were in our pump. And it was unfortunately because of the European ban. Six years that Liverpool couldn't play in Europe. Lost out on all the money. And that must have contributed to the downturn. I know United took over, but the Liverpool of the 90s would have suffered with, with the six years enforced ban. Yeah, they were, we were obviously weren't the only club. And, and also, I know a lot of people will say, well, so, so you know, you should have been banned, so, so you have to pay the consequences. I mean, we did have the extra year ban, didn't we? But yeah, I think the main thing, though, is that, that United grasped immediately the commercial opportunities that came with the Premier League. And for, for many years, it seemed like Liverpool just weren't interested. Why? We almost, well, I was going to say, I think it was almost a bit below them. You know, we were better than that. Is it because of Which the socialist a, no, I mean, nature of we, Liverpool? We, well, the, the city said, I'm not so sure the club has been like that. Um, John Smith certainly wasn't. He was the... Yeah, um, Littlewoods, yeah. The and then you had John Walls, who was... Um, obviously part of the Littlewoods Empire. So you wouldn't call them socialists. Um, but certainly, I think the fans would a bit, you know, we don't, we, we, we don't want that. We don't want to be sullied by, by that, you know, commercial element. Um, even even though we were the first British club to um, have sponsored sponsor shirts, and we had Hitachi. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there was a bit, a bit of uncalled for snobbery, I think. And you've got you have to say fair play to United. From an outsider, it seems to suit their ethos from the off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I suppose because because Martin Edwards was a camp, was a, a businessman, and he knew that getting maximising business was to maximise merch. And they brought Ed Friedman in from Spurs, used Cantona yeah. and gigs very wisely, and then came Beckham. And 
Yeah, and they're miles ahead. But Liverpool are a better football team than Manchester United today because every element of the club, Michael Edwards, John Henry, don't mention the European Super League, everything at Liverpool seems to be working. There's there's even the succession plan with Gerrard waiting to become the manager when that day comes. Um, So I, I think your eighth European Cup is closer than you think. Let me get the seventh one first, Johnny. Ah, oh, I thought you'd have seven. Yeah, well, touch wood, yeah. I mean, the big thing for us at the moment is keeping the manager. I mean, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. He'll, he'll stay. He's never been sacked, Klopp. Three jobs, no. hasn't been sacked from any of them. No. Uh, and when I say keeping the manager, I don't think there's any danger that um, someone will, you know, take him away from us. What, his contract's up in 24. Yeah, that's when Gerard um, is going to come in. Once you change your manager, you're all better off, aren't you? You see, see what happened with the, with the United after Ferguson. You saw what happened with Liverpool after Dan Lees the first time round. I mean, you build the dynasty and then, you, you know, that that easily goes if you don't get it right right away and it's difficult to do. What United had with Ferguson over, what, 26 years, was it? Was, was what Liverpool had with the boot room. Yeah. Which you know, fascinated so me, that aspect, where you had, it was uh, Shankly, Paisley, Fagin, Morin. Uh, and they all oh, yeah. and Dal Gleeson, yeah, and they all got the manager's job into the nineties. Why, why did Graham Souness give an interview to that newspaper? You'd have to ask Graham, to be honest, Johnny. Um, let's 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 give him the benefits of the doubt and say he was badly advised. But I know it, I know it's something he regrets doing for obvious reasons, um, but, but the timing of it was. Well, the fact that he did it at all was appalling, but the timing of it, we you know it was published on the on the anniversary of the disaster. It was, you know, it's it's something fan, some fans will never forget. Yeah. I think, and he's written a couple of books, Sooness, which are in the football library, uh, which yeah. now has a life well read, a memoir edged in black, where Les Jackson talks about his life and his love of the Reds, which. Famous Bambi-like left back has given an interview in the Guardian this morning. Has he? Jimmy Jimmy Traore. Jimmy Traore. He said that he basically owns his mistake. He owns that own goal. It's part of his story. (laughs) But that's one of my favourite songs. Don't blame it on the Biscan. Don't blame it on the Finan. Don't blame it on the Harman. Blame it on Traore. Yeah, I remember the goal. No, I, we were going, it was a cup game, it was, it was third round, mm-hmm. was it the fourth round? But it was early in the cup anyway, and it was at Turf Moor. And me and Tom had been going to the to the original game, but it got rained off half an hour before the kick-off. Um, and I was back in London, I was working in London when the, the um, rearranged game came round. So I was, I think I was watching it in the, um, the Sun Tavern in Covent Garden. Yeah, and I remember, I remember the guy, I remember phoning my brother up immediately from the bar, and we both just fell about laughing because it, it was just so funny. But there is a happy ending to this. Uh, in the piece which Sachin Nakrani, who's a Liverpool fan, wrote, uh, Jimmy Traore is the head coach of the International Academy at Right to Dream, which has produced more than 20 Ghana internationals and also owns Nordsjelland, the Danish football team. At one stage, Nordsjelland had nine Ghanaians in the first team squad. I will, he says at the end, I will not think about being Liverpool manager because that is for Steven Gerrard. It is his destiny. <laughs> yeah, well, you could be right. Yeah. He's, he's just... still doing well at Rangers. They won last night, didn't 
Uh, yes, they did. We're talking, by the way, on the 22nd of October, although this will go up very quickly because it Scouse Fortnite has come to an end, but I don't want to wait to put this one up because I want people to read your story. Two ninety five on Kindle. Come on. Price of a... like I, I don't know how much a beer is in your local pub, but I imagine it's around three quid. It's, yeah, I think two ninety five is a bit cheaper than that, actually. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't going to over... Because I know that the pound goes more of a way in Liverpool than it does in London. I once paid about £7 for a cider on the banks of the Thames. It almost yeah. wanted to make me leave the south. And I've got a lot of time for <laughs> Liverpool. Uh, I've watched the anniversary games. You know when the Liverpool 11s play the Hillsborough yeah. Memorial Games? Yeah. So I've sat in the cop, as I'd never tire of saying, McManaman did a Rabona across the pitch. What a great player. Uh, 96 FA Cup final, where were you? Unfortunately, I was in the. I was at Wembley. I think it's an easy narrative to say, "Oh, it was the suits. It was the suits." You were nil nil up until the eighty fifth minute. Yeah, it was the worst. It was the worst cup final for a long time. Wasn't it's horrific. It? It was I still see that goal going on. It was like the part of the Red Sea. Our defenders seemed to just get out the way. Although yeah. I always like to say, I watched that game. If Liverpool had won, I think I would have supported Liverpool. But United had Cantona. Beckham was coming through. Big Schmeichel whom you really missed. I think if Liverpool had signed Schmeichel in the 90s, maybe you would have won something. But as it was, that Liverpool team, uh, Fowler, Owen, um, Mulby, uh, Nigel Clough, uh, David James, Calamity James. Um, yeah. But you, you had the season ticket, so you would watch them. You also saw Liverpool at Vicarage Road in the League Cup in 2005. That's did, right. did you think much of us? I remember Johnny. Um, I, I remember it was it was absolutely freezing that night. Um, I remember Cinema Pongole got a really bad injury. I think at the end of this season. Um, and Gerard, I think Gerard scored the only goal, didn't he? I was so glad to get back on that train afterwards because it was freezing. Um, funny enough, I remember the first game a little bit more because I didn't go to that because I was working in London. It was at Anfield, and I think we won one 0 with a late goal. But I remember being impressed with Watford that night because obviously they were low division and um, I mean Liverpool weren't great obviously but I thought well you know it's going to be a tough second leg there um, probably one another home maybe flashed yep. us a little bit in that first game. Absolutely right. I'd just like to read the two teams in case there are any Watford fans listening in. This is a very industrious team. Jones, Darlington, Cox, Demerit, Chambers, Devlin, Gunnarsson, Marne, Ardley, Buatza, Helgerson. And the Liverpool team that night, Dudek, Carragher, Pellegrino, Traore, yeah. Risa, Finn and Gerard, Harman, Biscan, Barros, Cinema, Pongol and Morientes and Luis Garcia. Uh, Mike yeah. Riley was the ref. So a cold night at the Vic. And that was the semi-final of the Cup. Yeah. So we did very well yeah, to get there. Funny enough, I've been to Spurs. I think we played Spurs in the quarterfinal at White right Hart Lane. And I remember there being, it was absolutely thousands of Liverpool fans there. It was, a, it was a, would have been a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. The Spurs put quite a strong team out, and Rafford had just put basically the kids out, plus Stephen Oncho, I think. So and we were ripe for the taking. And it went, it went to extra time. I think the phone might have scored for them. The big centre forward he used to have, and he went to Valencia, or he went to Seville, and Seville in the end. Can I can't remember his name. Can you say that's it? Sorry, I just looked it up. Yeah, I've, I've got the lineup <laughs> up here. 
uh, Raven, yeah. Whitbread, <laughs> Warnock, Nunez, Potter, Mella, guy called Welsh, whom I've not heard yeah. of. And yes, the Spurs team, Robinson and Gardner and King and Ricketts and yeah. Carrick and Canute and Robbie Keane with Jamie Redknapp, an unused sub that night for well, Spurs. Canute inexplicably handled the ball in the area right in front of Liverpool fans to give us a penalty. Um, which uh, I think Cinema Pongalay scored to equalise. Uh, and then we won it on penalties. Yep. It was great. It was a great night, it really was. Yeah, the attendance, 36,000. And uh, yeah, it was uh, Cinema Pongol scoring uh, the winning penalty. And then the league, you won the yeah. League Cup that year. In uh, 2000, no, we didn't. We lost to Chelsea. Didn't we? Uh, well, you got your revenge weeks later. Yes, indeed. Having lost a son, is football more or less important to you? Is it more or less important? I think it's less important. Still very important. And the memories I've got with Tom are still very important. They're probably more important. But in the great scheme of things, you do, you do, you do realise that. Was it, was, it, was it Ancelotti who said it? Whoever said it, it's the most important of the unimportant things. So I, I would say a bit less important. Having said that, Johnny, if you, if you see me, if you see me watching us on the telly, you wouldn't think it was less important. My wife's got to the stage where sometimes she just won't watch it with me. So it's still very important. Uh, but you, you, I can take a step back now and again and say, well, it's not the end of the world that we didn't win that game or whatever. But as I say, the, the memories, the memories, and it's, it's still important. I, 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 I do have. Memories with me, with me other son down and my daughter live. So it'll, it'll, it'll always be important. So it's a difficult question to answer. Maybe it's just as important as it always was. Will you take the grandkids when they're old enough? Um, if I'm allowed to, probably I will. I would, yeah. Good. I think he's getting. You have to go on out. You can't get tickets for Anfield. I mean, we're fortunate with the season ticket, but it's, it's difficult to get tickets. I mean, we, there was a time when we, you know we've taken friends in the past when when. Liverpool, uh, let's say before Klopp come in, and you'd get, you'd get the odd game where um, we'd, we'd have friends. So I'd, I'd ask a couple of family, do you mind if we take our friends? This year? And they say, oh no, you, you take them. One of them was Watford, funny enough, I think. But you can't do that now because everyone wants to go all the time. They're the perils of a, following a winning side. Um, I'd just like to note that in 82-83, Liverpool could have won the league by a bigger margin than 11 points. The last seven games... Was it three points for a win then, or two? It was three. It was three. So you drew two and lost five of the last seven games. The ultimate on-the-beach performance. But that is just yeah. testament to how good that side was. You conceded like 16 in one season. But this was Hansen, Lawrenson. Who else was in that 82-3 side? Russell has still been playing. Obviously, Dudley should have still been playing. Grab a lot and go. Um, He's written a book. Soon, 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 soon as we'll see how he has, I've heard that one. Soon as would have still been there. Sammy Lee. I would yeah. have said Sammy Lee. Very tiny little squad. Dalgleish, Howard Gale and uh, David Fairclough, who were deputising for Dalgleish and Rush. But no, incredible. 87 goals scored. And yes, that's right. You lost five of the last six. Crikey. Five of the last seven, yeah. Well, four of those were away games. So you were yeah. more or less unbeaten at home all season, apart from that game at the end but some of the results at home 5-1 against Stoke 5-1 against Notts County 5-0 at Goodison 5-0 at home to Southampton that may have been the game that you got all the applause in actually 
to have called back. But we beat Forest 5 0, didn't we? Uh, Semi final in 1988. I think Tom Finney said it was the best performance he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. That's well, going back to 82 83, we actually won the league that season when we clinched it while we were getting beat 2 0 at Tottenham. We lost 2 0 at Tottenham and Man United dropped points at Norwich, which meant we were champions. Very nice. And yes, it's coming up to 40 years ago and Watford fans will be commemorating that uh, in a couple of years' time. Luther Blissett still very much with us. Um, Actually, I think all of that team, all of the 82-83 team. But nowadays, Watford are a club with, as Johnny Lou famously said, every Watford manager is an interim manager. Whereas the great thing about Liverpool is that the side that won the European Cup is the side that are still playing two and a half years on with maybe one yeah. addition. It's the same 11. So the continuity is there. It's such a shame about Harvey Elliott getting injured because he was going yeah. to be used a lot more. Curtis Jones is being used a lot more. Yeah, various kids coming through. I think the future's really bright for Liverpool. But what is the minimum that you want this season? Minimum, yeah, this is, this is enough answer to be honest with Minimum is always qualifying for the Champions League, I think. Mm-hmm. If I, if I, but I'm, but they're, they're capable of a lot more than that. But you, you know, you have to acknowledge Manchester City and, Ch- and Chelsea this season uh, and, and towards the end of last season. I might be tempted fate here because we're playing them on Sunday, but United flattered to deceive, I think. Well, they're going to be well up for this game. But Liverpool, Man United over the last couple of seasons have been a really damp squib. Well, last season there was, there was no crowds, was there? I mean, oh, we, won, we won. Oh, Liverpool, Man United, or Man City? United. Yeah, well, we won 4 2 at Old Trafford last season. But again, no crowds in. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, it's, a, it's, you know, it's like a derby match. If United play well and we don't stand, United could, you know, they're at home, the crowd will be up for it. Anything could happen on Sunday, basically. But regardless of that, I don't. Ex- I don't expect United to put the challenge in for the um, for the title this season. Not with that manager. And in fact, if Liverpool no. embarrass United, I think the well, would the Glazers get a new manager in? It's all about reputational management at United. It's all about beans and counting beans. And yeah, and Liverpool have done really well because you know how to count your beans. And an example of that is selling Gruyich for about 15 million and he's barely played for Liverpool. It's a bit it, Fenway FSG, apart from the ESL, really good at running this club and you need to keep the fans on side. And I think despite all the nonsense, especially trying to trademark the word Liverpool, I mean, there are certain things, I, I talked about this with Jeff Goulding, whom you may know. Uh, yeah, I'm halfway through his book, actually. Oh, wonderful. His and Kieran's book, The Untouchables. Yes. Very good. I won't spoil the ending. Um, <laughs> a Life Well Read, a memoir edged in black, is a true story of family, friends and football, of joy and tragedy in equal measure. It is Les Jackson's life in the printed word. You can get a hardback copy or a paperback copy. The paperbacks are about a tenner. Uh, 2.95 to access the text on Amazon and if you're Kindle Unlimited like me you've been able to read it and whiz through it um, celebrating the life of the much travelled renaissance man Les Jackson Um, the last chapter New Beginnings does deal with the ESL takes us up to uh, the death of of your son and and the, the the chap who perpetrated the murder 
and uh, the future. Although you end by saying the future is bright. That reflects the, the uh, I think, the, the birth of um, Dan's two little girls, Hallie, Hallie Hope and, and Faye Lana. Grandpa Les. And Grandpa Les, and the, yeah. My daughter's getting married to a Newcastle fan next year. I'm so sorry. He's a lovely guy, actually. And to be honest, he's been like he's although although he does have his reservations against about the um, the takeover, he's so happy that Ashley's gone. Uh-huh. And uh, if, if ever the group of fans deserves something, and, and I know I know groups of fans everywhere and every club deserve something, though they have had to put up with a lot over the last few years. So I can understand. Let me say I can understand the delight at Ashley going. I do share some of your misgivings about FSG on the on the ESL front, but they are, in my opinion, they, they have proved to be very good owners. Oh, well, it's all they relative. Yeah, yeah, they make mistakes, of course, they do. Um, but they have run the football club well, and the best thing they ever did was get copied. I mean, the, the man was made for the club. And long may the reign of Jurgen continue Les Jackson have a great weekend um, I hope it's, is it at Anfield or Old Trafford it's at Old Trafford ah, so, so, the box. so one thing I know that you won't be doing is listening on the radio correct because <laughs> 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 can't cope but can't see it I'm bad enough when I can't see it but can't see it oh, God. protect those fingernails and you can have your, your grandchildren <laughs> bouncing on your knee and that is paradise for you and after the couple of years you've had uh, paradise through Liverpool Football Club. Uh, the, the thing I need to finish on is that this is a life measured out by final whistles. You can track what you were doing at various times. We haven't really mentioned the boys' brigade, uh, but football is the key part of your life, along with family, playing, supporting, yeah. talking about. Um, and I'm sure you're not the only one, certainly in a red shirt, who could write this book, but this is your story and it's worth reading and I'm delighted to put it on the shelves of the football library and I hope you visit when it's built um, because it's a mind palace at the moment it only exists in my mind I hope you can come and visit and tell the story to an audience yeah that'd be great that'd be fab the day will come thank you so much Les okay cheers Johnny take care have a good weekend ta-ra you too just like the library just like the library just like the library